Socialist Party. Today's episode is part of the Black Power 96 membership and fund drive. And today we want to raise on this show $500 to this nonprofit community radio station in the hands of the black community. And addressing that, we are white people hosting this show. And we are white people who believe in solidarity with African liberation and with reparations to African people as our responsibility. We believe reparations is a question that demands action on the part of European or white people. And as always, we'd like to begin by saluting this radio station, Black Power 96.3, and its founding nonprofit, the African People's Education and Defense Fund, whose mission is to address the grave disparities in human rights, uh, economic development, education, health, and health care faced by the African community. We are honored to turn now to our exclusive interview with Chairman Omalia Chatella. Uhuru. Uhuru. Chairman, welcome. It, it's really an honor to have you here. And as always, I salute my leadership, Chairman Omalia Chatella. It's an honor to be um, the chair of the African People's Solidarity Committee, white people under the leadership of the African Revolution and very, very powerful to have you here today. Before I ask you the first question, I would just like to announce towards our goal today um, for Black Power 96, and as always, it's an honor to be here at this amazing radio station that um, comrade, our friend, Ali Ayello put in $10, Lisa Watson, $50, and myself, I put in $30, so we have raised $90 so far, and we only have $410 to go towards our goal. So I know we're going to make that goal today. So Chairman, I would like to ask you about the current situation. Um, you know, of course, I know that the African People's Socialist Party and you um, have always put out from the very beginning, even before the existence of the party, um, that the understanding that the contradiction facing African people inside the US today, just as around the world, is colonialism and not racism. And that you, know, you have been summing up that the rebellions that are happening now are going deeper than, than anything that we've seen since the 60s, the Black Revolution of the 1960s. And I just wanted to know how you think the party's analysis of colonialism has impacted how this current, um, this current resistance, this incredible resistance led by the African working class in response, in this instance, to the brutal police colonial murder of George Floyd. So how do you think that the party's analysis of colonialism has affected the way this is unfolding? Well, I think, first of all, that we have to determine that uh, this, we've seen uh, mobilizations, protests, uh, uprisings uh, throughout this uh, country. I think there's been a suggested uh, uh, since May 26, the day after the murder of uh, George Floyd, uh, something that approximates uh, uh, maybe uh, 15,000 or more uh, demonstrations uh, in, in this country. And uh, most that is spontaneous activity for generally speaking. It's been spontaneity that sparked this and that's not something that's uh, uncommon or unusual. Uh, 
uh, masses of people uh, do uh, respond. As Africans, I've, I've known, there's been no doubt in my mind that uh, the African masses would rise up uh, uh, to uh, this horror of uh, colonial domination that affects us. We've written about it, as you mentioned earlier, even before the founding of the party, even uh, when uh, I was working with the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee in the 1960s, uh, the issue of colonialism was something that uh, surfaced and our party and I uh, made a contribution toward that discussion because uh, up until uh, then, up until the entry of the party uh, into this discussion in a very serious way, uh, people were using the terms like racism and colonialism interchangeably. Like there, there was not a distinction being made. And we heard at the same time, this question being raised of what is the relationship of race to class? Because uh, many people who were involved in the struggle of African, for African liberation, African people uh, uh, were also uh, beginning to become conscious of class uh, and class contradictions in the world and class contradictions in our communities. And so it was, uh, it was uh, uh, our party and things that I contributed to this discussion that the relationship of class to race is colonialism. Mm -hmm. It's colonialism. It's not, it's not racism versus uh, 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 colonialism. It's not that, uh, that is to say, it's not something that can be understood interchangeably. Like, uh, like racism is simply an ideological uh, foundation upon which the entire colonial capitalist system rests, but the contradiction is colonialism. And so uh, we, we've, we've done that, we've written about it uh, uh, for a while. And uh, so now when we see this, 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 this uh, phenomenon of so many people in motion, we've seen uh, you know, police stations uh, attacked and torched, burned to the ground. Uh, 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 we've seen uh, major corporations hit, uh, et cetera. Uh, and, I think we are beginning to hear uh, from some circles, some quarters, the issue of colonialism. But I think most of that is not, is, is not simply some residual thing from articulations of the past. I think it's uh, our own interventions, uh, mm -hmm. such as this one right now that we're having. Uh, I think that it's uh, the, uh, uh, I think USM uh, yourselves had uh, uh, something like, uh, mobilizations or demonstrations or protests uh, uh, in, in more than 20 uh, cities uh, in this country or, or in, in the party, African People's Socialist Party, we either initiated or participated in, in a lot of them. And we've been pushing this questions using various, uh, uh, various uh, uh, formats, various uh, uh, you know, uh, media uh, components uh, to talk about colonialism being the question. It's a critical issue right now, how this question is being uh, described, especially with the depth and sharpness of, uh, of the crisis that has been created uh, through the struggle of the people. And it is uh, something that the ruling class uh, is attempting, is doing everything to define. It's precisely because the party right now is not as ubiquitous as we should be. We are not everywhere we want to be, that we need to be. Uh, that uh, we don't have uh, the level of organization uh, on the ground in all of these cities, in all of the 50 states that where we've seen protests occur. Uh, so uh, more or less, it's been spontaneous, it's been leaderless, something the bourgeoisie loves. 
uh, and uh, it has given the bourgeoisie an opportunity to define uh, what this is all about. And they would make it a fight against racism uh, because it doesn't take anything to be against racism. Uh, and uh, uh, that's the struggle that we're involved in right now. That's the thing that really gives uh, emphasis to the significance of, uh, of the recognition that we are fighting against colonialism uh, in this country and throughout the world. Bro, Chairman, really, really appreciate this this overview and your presence on this show today. And I, I wanted to ask a follow up question to that, but I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, let our listeners know that if you want to contribute to this incredible independent Black community radio station, you can do so. You can contribute to today's uh, fundraising goal, today's membership goal, by going to blackpower96.org/donate. That's blackpower96. Dot org slash donate. We're talking with Chairman Omalia Shatella of the African People's Socialist Party and African Socialist International leader and founder of the Uhuru Movement. Chairman, we're reading a lot about what is referred to in, in this period in the wake of the murder of George Floyd. Um, we're hearing not only about racism, but this term institutional racism, or as it's often called structural racism. And we hear bourgeois media outlets uh, taking this on is this a way of deepening our under, understanding of racism? Are those are these terms like structural racism and institutional racism just another way of saying colonialism? It is uh, a method that's being used now uh, by opportunists, uh, and it's been a while. Opportunists in the African community, opportunists uh, who claim uh, to be. Uh, for the elimination of the contradictions that uh, African people in this country uh, are affected by, and opportunists uh, uh, from the bourgeoisie proper, from the ruling class, and, and, and white opportunists who would uh, disguise, uh, undermine, or obscure uh, the colonial contradiction by doing everything possible uh, to make sure that it's not characterized as colonialism precisely because uh, when you look at the situation in this country and much of the world that African people are confronted with, uh, you cannot but come up with uh, the same examples of colonialism that's applicable any place in the world, precisely because you see it is colonialism, so uh, they give it another name. They, they, they take all of these things that are symptomatic of colonialism and then they call it uh, by another name so that we don't get to what the essence of the contradiction is. So as long as you call it some kind of racism, then the problem that we have uh, is that the, the system itself has to be improved, has to be imperfect, perfected. You don't target the system, you target uh, the difficulties that you're having uh, in the system. Uh, uh, you don't target the fact that the system can only produce this, is created, manufactured, uh, to produce these symptoms, to produce these contradictions, there's no way in the hell that you cannot have these contradictions uh, with colonialism. But uh, with the concept of racism, then we can pretend that the, uh, the, the problem is that the system uh, is not as perfect as it needs to be. If we work on it harder, it can, if we learn how to be more civilized, more like white people, or white people learn to love us, or something to that effect, then things can be better. Uh, that it's not the system itself, it's those who are carrying out the functions of the system. It's not the police, uh, it's that they don't do what the police are supposed to do. 
it's not the war, uh, it's not the troops who are killing people uh, that you have to be opposed to, be opposed to the concept of the troops killing people that's called a war uh, without being against the war uh, because actually it's the people killing uh, people that constitute what the war is. So it's a, it's a matter of obfuscation, uh, making it uh, difficult for people to come to conclusions that will teach them, help them to understand that the system itself has to be overturned, that it's a system that owes its existence uh, to what it does to African people and it cannot not do these things. There's no way in hell the system cannot do these things and continue to exist. And so what it does is offers people who are clever enough, uh, who are opportunistic enough, uh, who have a stake in the ongoing existence of the system from within the African community, it gives us an opportunity to audition on a regular basis for a place at the table, at the seat with white power by defining what's happening to us is that there are not enough of us at the seat with white people, uh, with white power, not the problem itself, not the fact that the table rests upon a foundation of slavery and the oppression of the majority of African people. Uhura. So it's, it's treachery, it's trickery. Uhura. Uhura. It, it really, really does muddy the waters. They, they get closer and closer to this question, and then they, they keep coming back to, but, but what was in the head of, yeah. of the white person when they decided yeah. to destroy a black community with, with an interstate? You know, were, were, were they racist? Was it, and it only seems to be a crime if it's defined that way. So Yeah, I, it, it, to call, to say institutional racism is a way to obscure uh, the issue of colonialism. You don't want to deal, yes. they don't want that to be because colonialism, the only way you can deal with colonialism is to destroy the system of colonialism. Colonialism has to be overthrown, has to be rooted out, has to be overturned. And the colonizer has to be destroyed unless that colonizer is somebody who can fight against colonialism. And this is one of the things that the issue of race and racism confuses for so many people. Because for B, for black power, automatically in the minds of a lot of people means that you got to be against white people. No, we're against colonialism. And white people have been the instrument that's being used to, uh, to carry out the colonial terror. But the white people themselves can fight against this system. You don't have to fight against white. You can fight against this system. This system has defined itself as white. This system is a colonial system. And this is the argument. And this confuses a lot of people. So. Uh, white people uh, can't be uh, afraid to be against colonialism. They want to be f against racism. They want everybody to just get along together. Just if we just learn how to love each other, they liquidate the actual material contradiction and make it some kind of mysterious uh, thing of uh, feelings and emotions and, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and things to that extent. That's ideological idealism, you know, uh, uh, yeah. so that you don't deal with the material reality. Uhuru. Just so, want to mention on that, if I could, we have a couple more minutes in this segment, that um, there was an article in Al Jazeera just this morning that said, Israel is a settler colony and annexing native land is what it does. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, again, that colonial question is out there. And I know that you have spoken quite a bit on programs in the Middle East and press TV. I just thought that was... You it know, is. I think this whole it is. question is being raised by the party. It is, but I, you know, out. the thing is that uh, Palestinians are uh, uh, ex 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 uh, expressing unity 
with the struggle of African people, you see Syria, in Syria, you see uh, uh, huge murals of George Floyd. Yeah. The fact is the U.S. is the center of the imperialist world. And all and many of the ideas and contests and struggles that happen here have implications around the world. It's not that that uh, people in Alzi that the ones who uh, do Algeria, 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 Al Jazeera, and and these other entities didn't recognize colonialism as real. Uh, but the power and influence and authority of the United States has made it difficult for people to even protest uh, their oppression in a correct way. Now, with the uprising of African people something that Africans and other peoples around the world have been waiting for, looking for since the 1960s, then we can see a real uh, expressions of what the contradictions are. And you talk about uh, Palestine uh, 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 being taken by the Israelis and that, that settler colony. The settler, U.S. is a settler colony. And this is something that I think that we need to draw home to. When we talk about colonialism, we're not just talking about what happens to the indigenous people here and what happened to African people here as a part of a domestic colony. The white people here are settlers, they're settler colonialists, and this is something that has to be embraced and understood by peoples around the world. This gives the struggle that we're involved in here and around the world a whole different character. And this is something that they, everybody would be, uh, everybody would attempt to obscure, to keep the waters muddied uh, so that we don't yeah. come to these conclusions. Even Marx, when he talked about uh, 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 primitive accumulation and how uh, capitalism has its origin uh, uh, in what happened uh, to that, you know, turning Africa into a, a warren for the commercial hunting of black skins. When he talked about capitalism uh, having as primitive accumulation, this uh, the what uh, what uh, India did in terms of turning China into a nation of junkies doesn't mention that America itself is a part of the primitive accumulation of capital that gave rise to the capitalist system as such. And I think that's really important and fundamental if we want to know how, what it is that we're dealing with uh, in the world today, not just black people, but the oppressed peoples of the world. That's why African internationalism as a philosophy is so important. Uh, uh, so yeah, that's, that's really interesting coming from Al Jazeera, what they've just uh, talked about, but uh, the strength and power of the African liberation movement uh, here uh, as the foundation uh, of, uh, of what we're experiencing uh, 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 with U.S. imperialism, uh, that uh, uh, clears, clarifies a lot for peoples around the world, and it gives people confidence to be able to make a struggle against this monstrosity of the United States. Uhuru. Uhuru. Well, again, I want to remind people you're listening to Reparations in Action. We have the honor of interviewing Chairman Omalia Shatella of the African People's Socialist Party, founder and leader of the Uhuru Movement. Today is the first day of a, a two-part member drive for Black Power 96.3. And we're calling on our listeners, if you appreciate hearing this summation of the world uh, situation, and uh, this, this analysis from the perspective of the African working class that we call African internationalism from Chairman Amalia Shatella. If you support hearing other revolutionary voices on Black Power 96, Black Power 96 Radio is just one of many projects led by the African People's Education and Defense Fund, a part of the Uhuru movement that is building political and economic 
power in the hands of the black working class. You can be a part of that. You can support that. You can do this as a stance of reparations if you're a white person and you can do it by going to blackpower96.org slash donate and making a contribution to our goal of $500 during this radio program today. Thank you, Jamie. And again, saluting Chairman Omala Shatella, but I just wanted to announce that also Jesse Neville, who's on with us today, he's going to be talking in a few minutes, has contributed $20. So we have raised 110 towards our Fantastic. goal. We have 390 to go. And I just really want to echo what Jamie is saying, that people need to go to blackpower96.org slash donate to contribute to this radio station, which I love one of its mottos, which is not just explaining the world, but changing the world. And of course, that's a, um, a reference to a quote by Karl Marx. And that, that this is something so unique because Black Power 96.3 FM is the voice of the African working class. It just had an amazing event last Friday that was so beautiful and shows the depth of the love that the community and so many different artists who are featured, Africans, of course, who are featured on this radio show, this, this um, station, that you would not hear anyplace else. Um, just how unique it is, how powerful there is the director of the, um, of the station, the manager of the station, Akila Anai, and of course the assistant manager, Eddie, who is just amazing and powerful and has several shows a week. So, you know, I just really want to call on people to go to blackpower96.org to donate. We've got to raise $500, but way more. Let's get the word out there. Let's, let's bring these resources. And for us, this is a stand of reparations to African people. Uhuru. And I, I wanted to uh, echo that. And um, you, you made reference to um, uh, the, the, the uh, slogan or motto of uh, Black Power 96, not just explaining the world, but changing it. And the fact that uh, it stems from a quote by Karl Marx, who you know, said uh, something to the effect that philosophers have only explained the world in various ways. The point is to change it. And uh, that's what this is doing. Uh, the existence of Black Power 96 itself is part of changing it. Uh, it is uh, anti-colonial uh, project. Uh, it is uh, something that happens despite the fact that African people who are colonized are not supposed to have an independent capacity uh, to criticize the colonizer. And what we see here is uh, a negation of the authority and the power uh, of the of the, of the colonial uh, powers, uh, at least to uh, the extent that we are successful with this radio station. So it is changing the world. It is changing the world even as we explain it. And it gives you uh, who are participating uh, via whatever medium uh, that you have access to in this uh, discussion gives you an opportunity uh, to also unite and change in the world. So uh, you should, should make whatever contributions that you can. It's an, it's an anti-colonial act to, uh, to uh, contribute uh, to Black Power 96, and I call on everybody uh, to engage in that act. And you can do that 
if you're white, if you're black, if whether however you're defined, uh, you can engage in anti-colonial struggle. And this is one magnificent way to do it. Uh, uh, fighting against racism will not get your radio station. You know, uh, will not give power That's to right. the people, and this yeah. this does. So Uhuru. Uhuru. Uhuru Chairman, uh, this has been an incredible uh, show. Thank you so much. It's such a great honor to have you on uh, Reparations in Action. And uh, this whole discussion has been so powerful. And just really appreciate the way that you have always uh, clarified this whole question of colonialism versus racism versus institutional racism, structural racism, or whatever is the latest term that has been coined to try to obfuscate, as you said, uh, the real contradiction. And just that, you know, as you've always made clear, it's not an issue of semantics. And it's, it's a really fundamental question that informs practice, that informs what it is that must be done to overturn this social system and for the liberation of African and oppressed peoples everywhere. So I just really appreciate this whole discussion and also want to shout out everybody who is tuning in, who is donating, um, including our uh, our viewers on Facebook. We're right now we're we're going live on Black Power ninety six, and we're also uh, going live from the Hur Solidarity Movement Facebook page. So we do have people tuning in, including Tama here in St. Pete, Thomas Craig, uh, Nasir Alamin from Kuwait, and many others who are are participating and watching. And want to go ahead and just echo the call for people to donate. We've got a five hundred dollar goal, but that's a bare minimum of what we want to bring in to support this incredible independent African-owned radio station. And it is part of the war of ideas, the voice of the African working class. And it is funded by the people, 100% funded by the people, by the African community, and by white people who take a stand of reparations by supporting this uh, radio show, so this radio station. So become a supporting member. I'm a proud supporting member of Black Power 96.3. You can do that by going to uh, blackpower96.org slash donate. Um, you can let us know your pledge in the chat on Facebook. If you donate $20 or more, you get a Black Power 96 mask. Uh, that's going to be very useful for, I think, quite some time. Um, that, you know, that mask, it's really cool looking and definitely encourage people has the Black Power 96 logo on it. And we also want to recognize members of the Solidarity Movement who are sustaining members of Black Power 96, including um, Ali, Aiello, and Janice in St. Pete, KC, Raya, and Kitty in St. Louis, Mads in Portland, John in Illinois, Sandy in Seattle, Stephanie in Oakland, Leah in Minneapolis, add your name to that list, become a sustaining member to increase uh, your support for this important institution. You can do that by checking off the box that says make this donation monthly when you go to blackpower96.org slash donate. Uhuru. Uhuru, thank you, Jesse. Um, and we really hope people continue to do that and we'll continue to, to update everyone on the, uh, the results of that as, as they come in. So um, we're interviewing today uh, Chairman Omalia Shatella, founder and leader of the Uhuru Movement, Chairman of the African People's Socialist Party. And uh, Jesse, I think yes. you wanted to ask this uh, next question on the book of Vanguard. Yes, thank you, Jamie. So Chairman, this next question is relating to the philosophy that you referenced a few moments ago, African internationalism. 
And in one of your books, uh, Vanguard, you wrote, and this is um, a very important quote we just wanted to mention, uh, quote, the science of African internationalism enabled our party to avoid the ideological pitfalls that validate the assumption of the superiority of white people. Thus, we have never been diverted from our mission of capturing power and uniting Africa and our nation under the leadership of the African working class, end quote. And that's the actually the opening lines from the incredible chapter on the theory of African internationalism that you wrote. So we wanted to ask if you could talk about this powerful statement and its relevance today in the uprisings that are happening now. Um, and you know, in the context of the work and aims of the African People's Socialist Party. Uhuru, I want to thank you, uh, comrade. I want to thank all of you, comrades, uh, for what I think is a really important kind of discussion that we're having here, uh, reparations in action on Black Power 96.3 that we are calling on everybody to contribute to. We got to make at least this minimum of $500, but we know we're going to do much better than that for this show. But uh, you know, the African People's Socialist Party uh, has been involved for years, you can go back uh, to uh, the early on in uh, our beginning, waging this struggle uh, within the African liberation movement for ideological and theoretical clarity. Uh, there has been a relative disdain um, historically within the African liberation movement for theory. And uh, that may be true in general uh, for movements that have occurred. Uh, uh, people, you know, often simply uh, uh, take up a position against what is immediately obvious. Uh, the white man is the enemy because uh, the white man does all these horrible things. And, you know, that is clear uh, to people. But there's no ideological foundation for much of what it is we do. And that doesn't explain enough for us. And so the party has struggled with this. And the party has struggled to try to win uh, within the African liberation movement, the significance of theory. And uh, so uh, it's something that, that, that we've struggled with for a long period of time. We had to deal with the whites, uh, especially in the 1960s, who uh, had a monopoly on books and things like that, that uh, 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 you know, and they, they would leave their, their library uh, uh, fresh, uh, ready to, engage in telling African people how to struggle according to Marx or Lenin or, uh, or something or Trotsky or Stalin and what have you. And so in addition, at this time, we are fighting against the, the white ruling class proper in its own face. And in many instances, we had to deal with these interlopers, these, these uh, colonizer leftists uh, who uh, uh, would challenge almost everything that was being put forth in the name of African liberation. On yesterday, we did an event with Union de Barrio, which is a Mexican national liberation organization that we've uh, had a, a deep relationship with for more than 35 years. And the thing that brought us into this relationship was uh, early on in early 1980s, uh, one of these uh, white left organizations through uh, an African who was a member uh, attacked uh, the the uh, the Mexican National Liberation Movement in Union de Barrio itself, uh, denying its uh, right uh, to even uh, struggle for uh, the liberation of Mexican people uh, because somehow that 
represented uh, an attack on the unity of the of the international or uh, uh, working class uh, in 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 the United States. That this this uh, this working class, this multinational working class, were was being uh, its unity was being disrupted by a demand coming from Mexicans uh, for. Uh, for national liberation. And they were making the same arguments against African people too. We were up against an array of forces. That's one of the reasons we ended up characterizing many of them as ideological imperialists, they, that they uh, were doing the same thing uh, in, a, in a much more sophisticated way because they uh, presumed to be on the side of the oppressed and then they were attacking every idea that was the foundation of our liberation that they would attack what ever was happening to achieve liberation. So that's part of uh, what you know really forced us to deepen uh, our understanding. And it forced us even to look um, more deeply at Karl Marx. And, and we learned some things from Marx. And the most significant thing we learned from Marx uh, was this whole uh, notion of the science of society and that you could actually uh, uh, discover uh, what was the motive force in history uh, and you didn't have to rely on superstitions and you didn't have to rely on casual observations and what have you, but there uh, is a, a method of investigating and, and analyzing society that's called historical materialism. And we, we uh, looked at the, this method of analyzing, uh, uh, of investigating and analyzing society, society uh, that the whites said that the colonizer leftists were saying they were using to say why we were wrong. And what we discovered, of course, is not that we were wrong, uh, but that Marx was wrong uh, on, on some fundamental questions using the science that he played a, a really important role in, in helping to, uh, to, uh, to, to uh, create and devise. So this, this issue of African internationalism, we are internationalists, uh, and our worldview uh, is uh, one that was formed uh, by a scientific investigation uh, of the emergence of uh, capitalism in the world uh, and the role uh, that uh, African people played uh, in that emergence and the existing of the, of the social system that exists today. And that uh, this social system came into existence, capitalism, not just in Mississippi, uh, not just in, in some place uh, in, in New York, but worldwide, capitalism as a social system. And capitalism was born as a world system. It wasn't born as some little localized project someplace. So uh, that's to all who would say that a problem that we have as African people in this part of the world or that part of the world or other oppressed people, we don't have enough capitalism. We are not capitalist enough that we haven't adopted capitalist um, measures and things like that. The problem is, we got capitalism. The core of the capitalist uh, oppression and exploitation is in the colonies. And so uh, we were able to discover this. And that was critical to our ability to understand the world, our place in the world, and the relationship that Africa and oppressed peoples uh, have uh, to capitalism and, and white power. And so it's extremely important. It's important now because uh, there are, uh, are these white rights movements. Uh, and that's what they are. They're white rights movements, white people fighting uh, uh, not to overturn the relations of power that exist between the colonizer and the colonized, uh, but to uh, fighting to uh, improve their position on the pedestal of the oppression of the peoples of the world. 
and sometimes this white right struggle call themselves feminists and homosexuals and 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 um, workers uh, etc. Uh, but that's what it is until they are able to unite uh, to overturn uh, this parasitic relationship. Capitalism was born as a parasite on the body of humanity and everybody who benefits from it, every society that benefits from it functions as a part of the parasite that's, that's eating of the life resources, uh, the future of, uh, of oppressed peoples around the world. So that became clear to us. And also involved in this struggle over periods of time, we began to see that uh, uh, we, it became clearer and clearer that it's not enough just to recognize that uh, capitalism uh, or colonialism is the problem, but in the struggle against colonialism, in the struggle against capitalism, uh, depending on the political line that uh, someone is expressing, saying which direction we should go, uh, things like that, we find uh, 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 anti-colonialist colonizers. We find people who are supposed to be fighting against colonialism in our ranks, in our midst, and what have you, muddying the waters on a regular basis. And so theoretical clarity is really important. So we are African internationalists, and we think it's important uh, uh, to say that we are, are informed by theory. And one of the things that makes it extremely important is theory is, is part of what uh, keeps us uh, uh, from uh, being guided by spontaneity spontaneity so that uh, without theory then it's whatever's happening at the moment whatever's going on is what drives you to it it becomes a central focus and things like that uh, and as as it has been said before with I believe this amazing degree of accuracy spontaneity is the mother is the mother of opportunism uh, because opportunism is selling out the long-term interest sacrificing the long-term interest of the working class for the interests of the bourgeoisie or the petty bourgeoisie. And so when we engage in a struggle and we say that the question is not Black Lives Matter, uh, but the question uh, is Black power, uh, it is a struggle against someone who would obfuscate, who would obscure, who would uh, make meaningless the struggle of the people. It's against those racists, people who would say that African people don't have any material interest that we are fighting for, we are fighting for to be liked. We are fighting for to have an opportunity to have the, the, the vice, uh, former vice president of the United States, the guy who is the presumptive Democratic candidate for president of the United States, the guy who wrote the so-called crime bill uh, that was uh, uh, carried out by William Jefferson Clinton that with the, with the uh, stated intent of putting 100,000 policemen uh, in the community, in, in African communities, uh, 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 that's the that's the thing that we are fighting against, and we are against colonialism and this racism stuff and this Black Lives Matter stuff that allows uh, Biden and allows the Congressional Black Caucus and allows uh, the mayor of uh, Washington D.C. to put uh, uh, beautifully uh, written words like Black Lives Matter in a particular square while they are gentrifying one of the highest rates of gentrification, pushing African people out of the of cities as Washington D.C with a horrendous uh, uh, record of police violence against African people, corporations now for Black Lives Matter, they can say that even as they exploit uh, in, in the most horrible ways uh, African people, the theoretical clarity is fundamental because if you don't have that, then you go off on these tangents that they, the bourgeoisie and the hustlers uh, from the African liberation movement and the hustlers uh, from the uh, from the liberal uh, bourgeoisie uh, would, would take us on to. 
theory is critical and African internationalism informs us and no, we don't fall for that. At one juncture, we were in a place where like everybody else, where we had to try to understand why it is here and around the world uh, that white people are so much better off than everybody else in the world, especially of African people. And the darker you were, uh, then the worse off you were. And the, that material reality seemed to be enough evidence uh, for many people and most of the people of the superiority of white people. Certainly, it was enough to uh, convince white people of that reality. And in many ways, it did the same thing for African people. So uh, African internationalism helps us to see the truth and it helps us to discover uh, who, uh, how white people even came into existence, how white people came to be. Uh, there was a time there was no such thing as white people as a people. And it was the process of taking and capturing resources stolen from Africa in particular uh, and other peoples that gave rise to even the concept of white people and brought white people uh, from a state of, uh, of uh, dire poverty and uh, disease, uh, 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 diseased existence uh, to the place where they are now. So this African internationalism, that theory helped us to, uh, to, 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 to discover that or Discovering that helped us to define uh, the theory, uh, to devise the theory that we're talking about. Uhuru. Uhuru. Thank you, Chairman Amali Ashatella. African internationalism. This this is the theory which which you developed in the heat of struggle, and this this is the theory and understanding with which we look at the world and understand what's happening in the world, and even understand ourselves as white people on reparations and action. And I, I really salute this analysis. I salute this radio station for getting uh, African internationalism out into the world in the African, African community and into any homes of white people who are listening. And if you wanna to continue to hear this kind of independent African voice on the FM uh, airways here in St. Petersburg on blackpower96.org, you can contribute to our goal of $500 at least today by going to blackpower96.org slash donate and expressing your support for independent black media, independent radio of the African working class today. I just wanted to let you all know, uh, if you saw me step away for a second, it was, um, it was because the assistant uh, manager, uh, DJ Eddie, actually stopped by the radio station and made a, uh, a contribution of $40 to the program today. Uh, for the fun drive. So I just really want to shout wow. out DJ Eddie. He's an incredible DJ. And um, it's a great honor that he stopped in uh, and was listening to the show and was was compelled by the incredible statements of our chairman to make that contribution. So Uhuru. All right, DJ Eddie. DJ Eddie. Yeah, the best blind DJ in the world. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Re really holds it down here on Black Power 96. May I just, uh, I want people to to make contributions uh, to this uh, this station and to this show. And I think it's extremely important. And, and one of the reasons I have to say that now, because I'm going to take a little more time from this segment that, that I think has been allocated. Uh, but right now, um, in the heat of all the struggles, I've forgotten how many, uh, uh, I've read something uh, yesterday, I think it was, or the day before about how many uh, protest mobilizations are happening every day uh, in this country. And the same article said something to the effect that uh, it only takes uh, generally 3.5 uh, 
something like 3.5% of the population uh, to overturn governments and systems and what have you. That's a statement about how significant it is right now and how important the political line is for uniting people and where the hell the line is going to take people to. Whether we have people standing in place fighting against uh, this mysterious thing called racism, or whether we actually arm people so that they'll fight uh, uh, to overturn social systems, so that they understand the basis, the nature, uh, uh, the origin of the, of the contradictions we are confronted with, that's a critical question. And at times like this, uh, uh, precision of language, um, being able uh, to uh, accurately define what it is that we're fighting for uh, and fighting against is critical. There have been times when it hasn't been this significant. I used to do something with the analogy, made the, this, this statement, this analogy that uh, if all of us were living in the same uh, room and we were gonna be there forever, it appeared. And uh, how someone might say that the podium that someone was speaking from was actually a car and uh, would find it ridiculous that somebody would continue to say, that's not a car, that's not a car, that's a podium. Because a car has these characteristics and a podium has these characteristics. And somebody would say, well, it doesn't make any sense because we're not going to go anyplace anyway. But if the police kick the door in, as it inevitably will do, if you're colonized and ready to kill or arrest people and you jump on the podium and try to drive away, you're going to be in big time trouble. And that's why we're so insistent right now to say what the contradiction is. This is not just some, uh, uh, you know, some uh, play acting discussion that we're having. The question is, if 3.5% of a population could overturn a social system and you have all of this action that's out there today, it's clear that you don't have in the mix that 3.5% that's interested in overturning the system. It's not informed that what you want to do is overturn the system. They are instead crying to the skies that Black Lives Matter. They are instead crying to the skies about racism and about somehow uh, getting more Black people into corporations and things like that that's responsible for our oppression. The question of theory is a fundamental question. And uh, that's the reason that we you know, place so much emphasis on it. And that's the reason why right now it's more critical than it appeared to have been uh, some time ago. And so I just wanted to make, make that statement. It's a really serious issue that we're dealing with when we talk about theory. And there are people who the bourgeoisie knows this, understands this. Why do you think CNN will be promoting Black Lives Matter? Why do you think that you can find on Amazon and all these people who are who have huge reputation for oppressing, exploiting people. How do you find uh, on Facebook uh, that takes down everything that, that uh, suggests a revolutionary so uh, solutions, et cetera, now they're all for Black Lives Matter because that's where they want the people to be. And what they will cut out is any discussion meaningfully that talks about colonialism, that talks about overturning colonialism, that talks about making revolution for the liberation of the people. That's why. And that's why this is right now, it's always important. But if you got so many people in every, every state, in small cities and places in Utah, uh, et cetera, people are demonstrating and then all around the world, people are following the leadership of this movement or the expression of uh, protest for coming from this movement from African people in particular, 
that's a critical place to be. And, and what we do will inform uh, the people to move toward revolutionary conclusions or to find another way to get closer in bed uh, with the bourgeoisie. That's why it's so important. Uhura. Uhura. Uhura, Chairman, thank you so much for, for this, this, this whole discussion is electrifying, even on the level of the exchange of ideas. And it's electrifying because, well, first of all, any other conversation is deadening and just, you know, based on I idealism. And this is so electrifying because first you lay out what has to happen and you're coming from a vanguard party that is making it happen, that is leading it, and that it's tangible, it's real, that what what you are expressing, the liberation of African people, the liberation of all oppressed and colonized peoples, and the ability of white people to stand on the forward side of history under the leadership of the African revolution is real. It is happening. It is tangible. And I'm very, very honored and excited to, to just be able to be in this discussion and in the actual work to carry out the ideas that you're saying based on the theory and strategy of the Vanguard Party. And before I ask you the next question, I want to just salute some more donors here. And we have um, Jesse Neville, $20. Allison Haney, $10, really want to salute you. Janice Kant, $20. Jamie Simpson, $20. DJ Eddy, as we've heard, $40. Nasir Alamin pledged on Facebook $25 and Sarah Edwards $25. So that brings us to our halfway point, $250 today. So let's go ahead and get the rest of the $250 in. Now, Chairman, I wanted to ask you about this whole phenomenon that is, is really you know, profound as well of protesters removing statues and monuments that are to colonialism, um, not just um, things that, you know, we've seen before, maybe the generals of the Confederacy, but even U.S. presidents. And now Theodore Roosevelt's got to come down and um, Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson has to yeah. come down. I saw something in the New York Times where even his great, 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 whatever said, yes, take it down. But the, the question is that you did this 50 years ago, more than 50 years ago, um, you tore down a monument to colonialism that was hanging in the city hall of St. Petersburg, Florida. So could you just talk about that? Just you by a half century were taking on and removing the colonial uh, monuments and just talk about how that is unfolding today. Listen, we, we make no uh, pretense that removing a monument or something to that effect uh, uh, is uh, in and of itself going to change our conditions and circumstances. People are all doing this, as you mentioned, all around the world, and I think it's important. Uh, it's important in the same way that people are making statements about defunding the police, even though we know it's diversionary and it's not going to make anything like that happen because it still leaves the state in place. But if we remember just how significant uh, three months ago, uh, how what high esteem 
the bourgeoisie held uh, the police. They are our our uh, domestic warriors, or something to that effect. They are, you know, and and they've even created a like a certain category that you can't even say anything or spit on or do something to a cop because uh, uh, because as we know that the police uh, represent the front line of uh, resistance to uh, uh, the uh, struggle against uh, colonialism. So to see people in there burning down police stations and saying, you know, uh, 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 things to the effect that uh, defund the police, I mean, that's significant. Even though, as we know, the bourgeoisie will run with that, <laughs> put together <laughs> what they call uh, programs for defunding the police and uh, they just call it pig something by another name, uh, but the state's gonna be there until the system is overthrown. So whatever you call it, it's gonna be there until the people uh, take it over. That's why we say black community control of the police. We were responsible for our own security. And this is an act of negating the authority of the colonial state. That's one thing. But I think that we're seeing the same thing. The white people, white power, not just government, but white people uh, themselves have uh, protected these signs of colonial domination, the signs of white superiority. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, you say that he's got a, a grand uh, a relative who wants to take it down. Well, he's got other relatives yeah. uh, who also that uh, were not uh, part of, uh, even though unfortunately some of them seem to be proud of it, uh, but a uh, product of his rape of 13 year old Sally Hemings, who he owned, you know. So, uh, and so now at the, at the height of this kind of crisis that uh, exposes colonialism, you know, uh, uh, people are talking about that. We're talking about. Uh, 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 Belgium, uh, the, the uh, 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 what's his name out of King Belgium? Leopold. Yeah, Leopold, you know what yeah. I mean? Uh, uh, so, you know, now people, uh, you remember how they had, uh, in, was it Antwerp or Brussels, where they had a statue thanking Leopold for giving them the Congo and what have you. And now, uh, in many reasons, many ways, people want to get rid of it because it's evidence of colonialism. It's like destroying the evidence. It's like the so-called N-word. Now you can't say nigger because that's what America, America wasn't based on killing the N-word. America was based on killing niggers and defining niggers, niggers, niggers. That's what the United States was about. So to do that is to get rid of the evidence. And, 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 and that's part of what it's about. But it's, it's significant because it's necessary to get rid of the evidence. There was a time we were proud of it. They used to be proud of white people owning black people, et cetera. And now they say stuff like, well, you know, uh, uh, everybody had slaves. It wasn't just white people. It was all over the world. It was a universal phenomenon. They say things like, well, black people sold uh, black people themselves. There used to be a time where white people accepted this as one of the one of, as part of the evidence of their superiority and their greatness and things like that. So that's telling that they are, they are retreating to this point that they would even hold up the idea of removing of these symbols. I think the removal of the symbols are important. And I don't want to liquidate that because they're part of the ideological struggle that, that we are involved in. It's an ideological manifestation. That, that mural on the wall in St. Petersburg was an ideological statement. It told everybody who came into that seat of government that this is the relationship that exists between black people and white people between this government and African people. It was a, a 10 by eight by 10 mural uh, that uh, uh, had African caricaturized as, as ape-like human beings who were entertaining white people on a beach, uh, et cetera. And, and this was a statement, this is the relationship. 
And so now, uh, right now in St. Petersburg, as you know, uh, they are in the process. They've said, okay, we're going we're gonna to put up, this thing has been empty for more than 54 years since I tore it down. There's been nothing there. Now they want to put a plaque there, and they want to put a plaque there as evidence that the contradictions that led to the existence of the mural have been resolved. We didn't go down there. We didn't go down there fighting for a plaque. We were marched on there. We were we were dealing with the colonial question. We were dealing stated explicitly that this is why we're here because this government is using fifty million dollars it got from the federal government uh, to beautify downtown St. Petersburg while the black people who created this whole city built the city uh, uh, are starving and has no resources. When the people tear down the mural, they tear down those uh, uh, throw Leopold and, and smash his. Uh, statues and do other things like that in South Africa and hidden in Columbus. It's not because they uh, uh, hung up on some kind of, uh, uh, what do you call those uh, totems? You know, uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's because uh, they are representative of a relationship. This relationship to us, you know, is a colonial relationship. That's why we want to get rid of it because we want to get rid of colonialism. The oppressor wants to get rid of them because they want to get rid of the evidence, hide the evidence. You remember what happened here in St. Petersburg, uh, Florida, uh, some years ago uh, when they, the St. Petersburg Police Department uh, ascended on an African community and attacked that African community, went in the house and murdered this African man and claimed that the man was there who had guns and he killed the cops and what have you, and only to later found, find out that uh, the cops uh, uh, might have been killed by him, but they had handcuffed him and he broke free. But the, the mayor himself, this reactionary cracker, went there and had the city trucks to come and they bulldozed the house while he was still in it. And then had it all carted away, all the evidence carted away, they wanna remove the evidence. And for, for the colonizer, that's part of what this means for them to remove uh, these symbols of colonial oppression, et cetera. So it's Uhuru. good that in that place Uhuru. that they got to do it. Uhuru. I'm sorry, we are coming to the end, and I need I to it. I need to salute Kitty Riley who put in fifty dollars that brought us to three hundred dollars. So I just wanted to salute that. And Chairman, I wish we could go on for a few more hours. This is so powerful. Uhuru. Uhuru. I, I, I want to salute you, Chairman Amalia Chatello, and I'm sure I speak for all of us when I say how profoundly we appreciate your presence on reparations and action today and your presence in the world as the chairman of the African People's Socialist Party and founder and leader of the Uhuru Movement. This has been Reparations in Action. This is the web drive of uh, Black Power 96.3 WBPULP in St. Petersburg. Please continue to go to blackpower96.org uh, slash donate and contribute generously to this incredible radio station that is not just explaining the world, but changing. Changing it. And reparations in action. We'll see you next week. Uh -huh.